You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Monday afternoon, so it's time for Shapiro World with David Shapiro, who's the Deputy Chairman of Sassman Securities in Johannesburg. David, it's one of those days where things are going on a little bit, but volume is light, interest is light because it's a Northern Hemisphere holiday period at the Mm -hmm. moment. Mm -hmm. And even if people um, aren't travelling, they're not working. Uh, I don't don't know. It's it's, it's, it's almost like um, a phony war going on now, just like before Mm -hmm. the First World War started. It was the phony war in 1939. Nothing happened. But uh, obviously, that was a precursor to something happening. Maybe something is going to happen, but certainly not today. No, not at all. Um, it's 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 very quiet. There's no dynamism behind the market at all. I think we're stretching for news. The big news item, is, of course, is the package that the Europeans are trying to agree on. Uh, you go back across the states, you know, across the states. It's also it's all politics now, and that's what's being discussed. Um, I believe President Trump gave an interview he which uh, had which on the weekend, which had, I, I saw extracts of it, you know, about uh, this virus is nothing more than a sniffle, you know, and I mean, <laughs> go talk to the medical men. So that's been the headlines. And of course, um, the discussion is the, 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 the range in points between Biden from the polls between Biden and Trump, whether it can be closed and so on. So we're getting involved in that. Um, it is results season. That is, that's one thing. And I think this week, a number of companies do report, which might have some kind of bearing on the markets. But there's no, there's, there's nothing to get your teeth into. You know, there's nothing to get really uh, talkative about at the moment. Uh, a lot of talk about the vaccine and so on. So we, we, we're looking for titbits, you know, to 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 try and guide it. And and to, just to give you an idea on our market, I mean. We had a 13 billion day on Friday. This is a JC, which is nothing. Mm. And again, it looks like we're heading in the same direction today. Very little underneath uh, the trade. Let's get Trump out of the way first, because you mentioned mm. you mentioned him. I watched uh, some watched some of that interview, and it was with uh, Fox News. But it wasn't one of his favourite Fox News presenters who kowtowed to him and massaged his giant ego. Uh, but he said, the chap said. You said that this was just going to disappear, this coronavirus. And, he's, and he, he interrupted him and he said, and it will disappear and I will be right. And I, I thought, well, <laughs> well you, you've, you've, it's just been 75,000 people have just contracted the virus in the last 24 hours. And you're saying it will disappear and I will be right. He just wants to be right. And the other program, which is more important, was a BBC Two program last night called Trump in Tweets. And I urge you to try and search for that and get hold of it. It's called Trump in Tweets. And it was an hour long program of his history of tweeting. And it was introduced by the chap that introduced him to Twitter. And he said he had seven minutes, I think it was, with Trump in Trump Tower and explained what Twitter was. And Trump said, OK, sign me up. And the bloke signed him up at real Donald Trump. And the rest is history. But you cannot believe, David, what a nasty abomination of a human being Donald Trump is looking at the tweets yeah. that they highlighted, the thousands and thousands of tweets. Mm-hmm. But they highlighted, the, obviously, the bad ones because it's the BBC <coughs> and they don't like Trump. It was quite astonishing the way he used this. When did he start? When did he start, uh, 
tweets. I mean, is it a long time ago? Is this during the period in which he's been president? Oh, no, it's just definitely it's way before then when he was okay, uh, yeah, sort of saying to himself, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be a candidate, a presidential candidate. Yeah. So, so it was way before uh, 2016. Mm. Uh, but uh, you can see the mm. progression and it was, it was astonishing uh, what, what, a, what, yeah. a, what a, a sick and perverted mm. individual this I, is. Uh, mm. Where does it, why do we discuss it? Is that I think, if anything, the world needs someone to stand up some leadership in addressing the issue. Mm. It's, it's, it's all over the place. It's not going anywhere. You know, everybody's adopting. Uh, it, it, it's almost city by city, town by town, whatever, you know, village by village mm. that we're addressing this uh, virus. There's nobody who's really looking at it from uh, an overall point of view. I'm, I was talking on a, on, on a radio this morning mm. on an interview, and I said, you, know, you remember when uh, the Battle of Britain used to have an overview of where where the planes were coming. You knew where the danger zones were, and you could send out uh, the Spitfires to address them, whatever. And and we haven't got anything like that. You know, we're not we're not looking at. We're just um, taking an overall approach to the whole thing. And instead of trying to open up certain areas where they are safe and trying to unlock where they are safe, and then isolate areas where they're not safe. We're not doing that. You know, there might be certain countries that are doing it, but um, globally, I think it's just a total mess. And a lot has to be said for for global leadership, you know, in, in, in terms of addressing it. There's no one that's that's really, it's a theme that I bring up every week, but each week it just astonishes me that, that, that no one's taking charge of this whole issue at the moment. So I think that's, that's what it leads to, Lindsay. Hey? You know, that's, that's that's the issue, and he split the nation. He split his nation. Not only that, he split the world from from the states as well. Although they're powerful, they are a very powerful nation. You can't isolate or polarize it. No. Still, no one feels the kind of way that they used to towards uh, the U.S. No, there isn't a multilateral approach. That's the whole point. Uh -huh. And I think if you take the United States, on the one hand, President Trump says it's got to be a state by state. <coughs> approach to, to handling the virus and on the other on the other hand he says we're going to open up all the schools and yeah. therefore mm. it's a federal decision to open up all the schools yeah. and if you as a state don't open the schools on september the first then we will cut funding so he mm. he, he wants it both ways it's mm. quite extraordinary what's going on and if mm. you look at south africa well there's an article if you go to fm.co.za today the financial mail I, I've yes. just I've just interviewed Rob Rose, the, uh, the editor, mm. and he was it wasn't incandescent with rage, but he was certainly very um, very annoyed about what he was writing about. And it's, our our approach as well, South Africa's approach, has fallen apart. It, it, it was this the story about the schools? Yes, exactly. About the, yeah, about and, it, and it went further than that, but that was the headline. Mm. You know, a shame, I think "shameful" was one of the words that he used in his yeah. headline, and it was it was a good piece. It was a brief piece, but yeah. it was a good piece. But you could mm. hear that he was very frustrated, and he's an intelligent chap, Rob Rose. No, I, I think the story is is that we go into lockdown without uh, really understand the consequences, and in this case. There's something like nine million kids, children, that get fed at schools. Yeah. And by locking down, these kids have not been receiving the food. Right. They've been in certain instances, I think you mentioned in the Western Cape, there might be uh, some attempt to provide these poor kids with, with, with food. But this is the meal. You know, this is the meal that they get. 
and their parents are not able to provide the same kind of meal, many of them being unemployed. And the blame goes directly towards the, um, you know, the Department of Education. And uh, they've just accepted it. They say, well, what must we do? It's locked down. There are no schools. Therefore, we don't have to provide um, the food. So the humanitarian side, this is the, this is the, these are kids of the country, mm. you know. You know what I mean? And it's 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 really is uh, an appalling situation. Um, I'm not sure if the Department of Education have come back and uh, are defending it, but it's Lindsay. All it's showing you is is how badly this whole thing's been planned, and how we don't engage in any kinds of discussions at all around these issues. You know, it's almost authoritarian. This will be done, and there's no argument to it, etc. There's there's no democratic process about what's happening. And I think it, you can we can find thousands of examples around the world that are happening in a similar situation. Uh, the number of people that are are stuck at home, not knowing whether they're going to have jobs. Can you imagine the internal trauma that they're going through, staying at home and saying, "Well, when does this end? When do we go back?" Um, it's 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 crazy. Put the yourself whole, in the position a, of, of I don't know, maybe a single mother or a single father yeah. or a couple that have been working in the hospitality industry, uh, whether they mm. be a barman or, or washing dishes, whatever it is, receiving money every single week. Yeah. And now that's gone because the yeah. industry has fallen apart. Yeah. At the same time, their two children have just suddenly been cut off from the school feeding program school. or the children right. feeding program. What on yeah. earth do you do then? Yeah. Your, your, your benefits, okay. you get benefits, but um, that is, okay. it's not enough. You can't pay your rent. You can't then feed no. the children. The, chil there's, the there's children go hungry. Stuff. So what do you do? Do you turn to crime? The, I don't know. Well, there's, a, there's another element to it is that these are the people who cannot afford laptops or they certainly can't afford iPads. Mm. So uh, even if they do stay at home and there's a process of educating remotely, they haven't got the tools to do so. Yeah. Not only do not have the tools, they haven't got the, uh, the infrastructure. They haven't got data. They haven't, you know, who knows where they stay. So you find that these kids fall behind, fall another year behind, a whole year, a whole year of learning. And, you know, for a young, fertile mind, that's very important. So these are the consequences of this whole issue. And um, there's no communication at all. Communication is extremely poor and, and badly organized. That, uh, you know, first of all, from even in uh, from a country point of view, from a, a district point of view, you don't know what's happening. And you can keep going up and up and up. So I've... I've lost, uh, not that I ever had faith in politicians, but, uh, I, you know, there's, there's not one single person that's covered themselves in, in glory, save, you know, say, what do you call them, the antipods, anti, what do you, New Zealand and uh, Australia and down that area. Antipodeans. Uh, Antipodeans, there you are. There you saved me. You know, the, the, and, and, and uh, the, the only people that have attempted to, to get on top of this. But um, oh, from the rest of the world, I don't know. You know, am I? Who am I going to vote for? You know, who? Who's really come out on top here? I think from a global point of view, no one. So businesses are taking it upon themselves. You know, businesses are they? They've stepped up to the plate because they understand survival and and doing everything they can to make sure they uh, you know they stay afloat. Well, but they're not getting any kind of help from overall. Anyway, sorry. After this, uh, after this mm. article from uh, from the Financial Mail, 
which caught my eye this morning. Are South Africans, are privileged South Africans or South Africans with means, never mind privileged or not, South Africans with means doing something about it? Because mm. you hear so many stories about yeah. uh, people doing good, in, whether it be in the UK yeah. or the United States or America, which are the two places that I follow via television. Are people doing it? Are they setting up uh, a personal food banks and feeding people? I know there's a, mm. a story of... Um, a, a place in uh, Jewel Street in Malvern where mm. there's a, a particular hotel there that is feeding people. But are mm. people stepping up to the plate, as you put it earlier on, and doing something about it? Many. Are they? That's, yeah, but you can, they can do so much. But, but they're trying their utmost. Whenever there's a, been a call for food or clothing or anything, uh, it's quite incredible to see um, people who are generally criticized. They just do it without uh, asking for anything. It's just their nature. Um, you know, certain organizations um, send out via via um, social media, either tweeting to groups, et cetera, and you'll find there'll be a central point at which you can drop bags of food or bags of uh, clothing or something for people in distress situations. So within the communities, there's quite an incredible amount of effort being made um, which is not always acknowledged, and they do it out of the goodness of their hearts, yes. and 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 huge amounts. I think I think people are generally you know have been very magnanimous. But you you trying to you trying to feed fifty million? I don't know how many millions of people, you know, coming from very very small groups. But I think those who've got um, are doing what they can, and and probably would do more. Mm. You know, probably if given the chance. That that food side is one thing. It's it's what lies ahead is is you know is the problem. Lindsay, you know you you mentioned hospitality, and uh, I happened to go to Melrose Arch yesterday just to go to Autobank machine, and mm-hmm. I saw the restaurants just you know so many restaurants there are closed but locked up. Right. In other words, not even not even serving food, and um, whether they're going to survive or reopen. Um, after three months, I don't know. And the consequences of that are just so dire for not only for the owners, but it goes through not only to the staff, but also to the landlords. Uh, because this, this area, this, uh, you know, this precinct, I think will not recover. It's, it's, it's mainly, it's a place where people do go, you know, in summer and, or not even summer. They always, there's a lot of offices around there that, uh, need to be fed. The people are fed and so on. So you get, you know, I look at it and I say, how does it ever, how do we ever get back from this? What do you do? Because it was not intended this way. You know, I think, and I, and I, I repeat the message over and over. The intention was to lock down for a short time so that the hospitals could prepare themselves for, for cases and that these businesses would come back and any money that was offered by the government would make sure that these Small businesses who are put under this pressure, not through any fault of their own, could survive. I don't see that at all. I absolutely don't see that. I see businesses closing all the time without any chance, without any relief and any chance of coming back. Yes. You don't mm. really, I think you don't realize, actually, when you're open seven days a week, you're a pub or a restaurant mm. or something, yeah. it's that constant turnover, that constant cash flow mm. that feeds your business. And as soon as it stops, then you, you can't pay your rent, you can't pay yeah. your suppliers, you don't need the suppliers because you don't mm-hmm. need the supplies. Uh, it's, it, it's a terrible mm. situation. I, and I, mm. I, I, it could be years before things start to recover. It really could be. Yeah. You, need a, you know what you need? 
you need a Lord. I mean, you uh, you need a Lord Beaverbrook. I don't know if you ever, you know, when he was wasn't he the newspaper when he man was called on church? Y- yes, yes, yes. But he was called on uh, by Churchill during the depths, you know, during the most gloomy period mm. to push up production of aircraft. And a man like this got there. He wasn't a well-liked man. He didn't know, you know, when you read his history and his biographies or autobiographies around, he wasn't a very pleasant man. Or I think he had pleasant sides, but he got the job done. He built enough aircraft to, um, you know, to combat uh, what was coming. And uh, you need that kind of energy in, in, in places like organizational skills. Um, you know, to combat that that kind of spirit, and and but you need you need someone like a Churchill as well. You need that kind of leadership mm. who knows what the situation is, and although it's dire, creates hope and then finds the solutions. Yes. So I, I'm, I, you know, I don't see it anywhere. I love reading history. You know, I love to read about uh, these, you know, times like that where leadership was. Uh, we, you know, where leaders came, uh, were born, or sorry, were made, is better. Or, I don't know whether you're born that way or were made. But but the world at the moment, so what are we doing? We've got a President Trump, who's, his only issue at the moment, he doesn't care about the people of America. He of only he cares about, am I going to be reelected or not? What do I need to do to split the nation so that I can get just 51.1 or 50, you know, whatever, sorry, the electoral votes. So many electoral votes to make sure that I get in again. What suffering takes place, about, you know, beyond that, doesn't care. He doesn't care, and 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 I find that astonishing. He doesn't care about anyone but himself. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care about his wife, Melania, as I call her. And he doesn't care about <laughs> Donald Trump Jr. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care about Eric. He he likes Ivanka for some uh, some reason, mm. uh, probably psychological. He doesn't care too much about. <laughs> he doesn't care too much about Tiffany, Tiffany Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just all about yeah, him. There's no, nothing no. else in his mind, and no, he's got this no. fixation with with previous presidents, i.e., George W. No, Bush, no. and no, no. also. What's his uh, name? President yeah. Barack Obama, who mm-hmm. is his his arch his arch nemesis. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, he has to get that second term, otherwise he'll yeah. be crushed. Yeah, but anyway. I know. But it's 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 important because you need someone to stand up. You know, you need confidence to be regained, and that can only be done with leadership. Yeah, Lindsay, we talk about soccer. We talk about it all the time. Yes, but uh, I'm an Arsenal supporter. I know, and suddenly. You see the difference of management, of a leader, what he does. You know, in, you know what I'm saying? With a very mediocre bunch of people, just a different mindset. And, and it's, it's so clear, uh, using sport as an analogy, what a difference, you know, someone with a bit of brains, understanding the psychology of the players, uh, uh, motivating them, you know, can achieve compared with where, uh, they were, you know, where this team was, and suddenly it's 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 that kind of leadership. Just somebody. I mean, it's a soccer team versus the world, okay, but it's just a small illustration of how you know the the difference that these people can make. We'll talk about soccer or football, as I call it, in a couple of minutes' time. But well, let's let's talk about the market today, and let's talk about mm. the market in the future. We've got the South mm. African Reserve Bank coming out with their 
mm. their statement uh, on interest rates on Thursday afternoon. Uh, a lot of people are saying, well, we've seen the bottom of inflation at 2.1% CPI year on year, and the next move is going to be uh, to the upside, and the next two or three moves is going to be to the upside. And that is what the Reserve Bank looks at. So I'm not too sure we're going to get an interest rate cut. But I suppose in the eyes of everybody else, the headline readers, they'll probably say we should cut another half a percent cut interest rates to the bone, given the fact that the RAND is actually in a short-term strengthening phase. Mm. Mm. What do you think? There's, it's, this is a call that we can't – it's a call we can't make. Uh, with inflation below 2%, uh, within, with an economy on its knees, um, going down, going backwards, um, it makes sense to do so. You know, uh, but whether they will do it for the reasons that you've uh, exposed – Maybe not. I don't know. They, when you try to read uh, what economists say, and uh, they've got a better feel for it than I have, you can get uh, between zero and 75 basis points this year. So we're already July. Uh, he might give up this one. Might be nothing. But, um, you know, there's uh, it, it down the line and, and, and wait to see what happens. doesn't make any difference. Um I think to people who owe money, yes, it does make difference because mm. it, it just alleviates the pressure on them. Is it going to encourage people to borrow? The thing is, no, you know, obviously not. So it depends uh, if, you, if, if, if people are heavily indebted. Um, yeah, then it does make a difference. But, um, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle here. I don't uh, – I can't really. I've got no strong opinion. I think it'll be flat. I don't think there's going to be anything. Mm. But um, mm. they've, they've done they've done quite a lot, and well done to them. It's one of the pillars of uh, stability mm. in South Africa, actually, the South African Reserve Bank and its MPC. Markets today, we don't need to talk about them. I'll talk about them later on. Uh, but nothing going on. Very, very quiet indeed. Mm. No big themes. Later on in the week, I think we've got European PMIs, and we've got a lot of results out. We've Microsoft and Tesla of, yeah. coming out, those sort of companies. So it's going to be an interesting week, but today is not so interesting, David. We're seeing a little bit of a bounce back in tech shares that have come back uh, that have been under a bit of pressure the last few days. It was rotation out of tech shares in mm. uh, the U.S. into um, call it uh, ignored shares. I don't know those that have that had lagged, um, but that's reversing. So you know, tech shares are picking up again. I think ahead of the ahead of the numbers. Um, again, not with great volume. I'm just looking. The S and P is up as we're talking now. It's been in and out of you know positive territory, in negative, in positive, um, and and the Nasdaq is, is is quite strong. But can we read anything for a day? I don't think so. You know, I'm not. It's not going to make me rush in and buy and say I've got to get in. It's not those kind of movements at the moment. No, exactly. You've got the S&P, the flat, mm-hmm. and you've got the NASDAQ up around mm-hmm. about one and a quarter percent. Oh, mm-hmm. and S&P's up 0.4% now. There we go. Mm-hmm. My screen is refreshed. Anyway, let's talk well, about football. Mm-hmm. Well done, okay. Arsenal. The two best teams <laughs> yeah. in Europe, i.e. Manchester City and uh, Barcelona, okay. both have got uh, – Barcelona have lost the La Liga title to um, uh, Real Madrid, which pains me greatly. And Manchester City, have, which I still think is technically the best team uh, in mm. England, not not so much Liverpool, but um, they've they've got a manager who I think is uh, more mm. motivated than Pep Guardiola is. But anyway, they've they've both lost their way. But Arsenal did very well, and they beat Manchester City two nil, despite the fact that I think it was a sixty forty possession mm. split between the two yeah. teams. I didn't watch the game, but I I've read about no, it. No, it was like that. It it was that was their game plan. Mm. Uh, they're playing five at the back. 
well, it's a, a back three with two. It's a different plan, but it's a defensive plan. They have to do that. Otherwise, they caught on the break. And, and, and to be honest, the strangest thing is that, uh, you know, the strangest thing is that David Louise, who has but been so maligned, uh, what's it, maligned? Uh, maligned. Uh, misaligned, maybe. Maligned, maligned. Oh, ma- much maligned, maligned, yes. Maligned, yeah. Mm. Uh, had, a, had a superb game. Had an absolute superb game. And um, other chaps also came to the party. Uh, Bam, uh, Bam Young, I can't get any words out today. He was great. I mean, he's he's really something else. And uh, Ooh, Young, two beautiful goals. Bam yeah. Young, yeah, he's very good. beautiful goals. And 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 they were the only. You know, you know what worries me? And and I watched Liverpool game as well. Chaps, they shouldn't. What concerns me is that if they get into this mood where they're losing games, when the new season starts, they're not going to get that high again. Mm. They're going to come off a low. You know what I mean? They're not going to come off a high. And I'm a bit concerned because they're not putting in uh, what they did. They made the kind of mistakes that, that, that we always talk about Arsenal making. You know, the back, the, that's been their strength, has been um, mm. uh, their defense. Anyway, but it's been interesting. There's some cracker games. I mean, there's going to be the Man United Leicester game on Saturday. Oh, that'll decide the Champions and, League place. Yes, mm, of course. That'll be yeah, great fun. Big, yes. Big, big, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, well, that's that's good. And, and of course, of course yesterday, the cup final. Yeah, cup final with with nobody in the stadium. Ah, it'll still yeah. be fun. No, it, it'll be. <laughs> it, no, it will be fun. But the, the the Manchester United goalkeeper. What do you do with a goalkeeper who's one of the best in the world and has, has probably been your best player uh, two out of the last three seasons, making the howlers that he did yesterday I against know. Chelsea? He couldn't. I, I mean, I could have saved those I those shots, that. couldn't you? He's what do you do? You have, pounds week. Yeah, <laughs> you have to drop him. You have to drop yeah. him, David. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. say, you listen, just go statement. away. Okay, we'll have a holiday yeah. for two weeks and come back and we'll see what happens. But he yeah. was awful. Yeah. Yeah. But he's been doing that for the last couple. There's always been, sometimes he's brilliant and then just makes these incredible mistakes. Anyway, anyway David, thank mm. you very much for your time this afternoon. Okay. As always, that's David Shapiro. That was Shapiro. Well, David is the Deputy Chairman of SASM Securities in Johannesburg. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.